Corinthians, the second letter, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Now, we're going to look, you can see, try to give you an outline on the screen as we're going along. The title of our message is Learning and Sharing God's Comfort. Learning and Sharing God's Comfort. Um, Paul had many disturbances, many uncomfortable experiences. The writer here that we're reading from, the apostle, he had many things that were afflicting, that were tribulation. Just hold your place and go just a few chapters over. Let's look at chapter 11. Chapter 11, he... he, um, He actually, to paraphrase this chapter, he's basically saying, um, or part of it, this section, he's saying, now I'm going <laughs> to, I'm glorying in my problems, is what he's going to say. I've got to tell you some of the problems I've had, is what he's saying to the Corinthians. Um, verse 23, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. the purpose is, we're looking at examples of difficulties that Paul has been through. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. He's showing that this is an odd way to be a good minister of Christ in man's mind. This is an odd thing to have on your resume to be a good minister of Christ in man's mind is to have all these problems. But he says, I got them. I am more in labors more abundant in stripes above measure. That's not tattoos. That's, that's like... Unless, unless you count the scar. That's uh, stripes like being beaten. In prisons, more frequent, not being a chaplain either, but in there. In deaths, oft. He's often on the brink of death. Verse 24. What else, Paul? Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. They couldn't give you 40 because that was illegal, but they give him 39 stripes. They've whipped him. His own countrymen. Whoa. Look at Verse 25. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in 
watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, verse 28, besides those things which are that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Now, I'm not going to get into the rest of his conversation, but I want you to just get a little snapshot. Did you get a snapshot of the writer that, that we just reading from he's saying you know i've had some i've had some hard hard knocks as part of my as part of the path that god called me to live and do be an apostle being a christian so what we're going to look at is the idea here no let's just let me go back go back to chapter one paul's saying verse four that god is a god of comfort verse three look at verse four what does God do to Paul? He's saying us, referring to his team, whoever's with him at the time, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, which he just mentioned samples of. What does God do in those moments, and at least on the heels of them, or at some point? What does God do? He comforted Paul in all his tribulation. The word comfort here means, it has the idea of not, doesn't, it means, okay, it doesn't just mean like he doesn't feel the sting from being whipped. The idea is he gets encouraged. It's more of like in the spirit, you know, it may or may not be comfort of the body. We don't know. We know he had an affliction of the body in chapter 12, this book that God wouldn't take away. But he says, he comforts us, and the word again is the word of just being an encouragement. God comes along and encourages him. Somehow, when he was shipwrecked, God came along and encouraged him. Somehow, when he was out in the, well, three times, what was it, three times in the sea, you know, floating around? We read about one at the end of the book of Acts. Paul somehow encouraged him when he was forsaken of all men and left by himself, and the Lord came, only the Lord was with him and strengthened him. Paul somehow got comfort when after, you know, perils of beasts, I don't know, some mad dog go after him and got bit. And then maybe a few hours later, God did something to encourage him about that. He's saying, he, Paul's testimony is, I, he, he names off all these crazy things that none of us can outdo that, right? You know, none, I don't think anybody could outdo that, that Paul just described about the shipwrecked and Anybody been, what did he say, thrice was I beaten, 30, 40 stripes save one? I don't think any of us, I mean, I mean, maybe when you're a bad kid, you got a whooping on the rear, you know, but I even doubt that it was like that, you know. My, my point is we could not do that with Paul. We couldn't say I've suffered more than Paul. Uh, uh, but, but the point is, is that Paul said, you know, God encouraged me every time. Isn't that amazing? Are you out of your mind, Paul? He, God encouraged him every time he found himself in a scenario. I don't know how soon, but God came along and encouraged him. He comforted him in all his tribulations. Look what it said. In all our, he's mentioning, he's bringing in whoever is with him at the time. He comforteth us with, in all of our tribulations that we, whoa, he's not done. That we may be able to comfort them, which are in any trouble. You know what Paul's saying here is a simple principle we're going to look at is this, that God comforts you so that you can comfort somebody else. That's what he says. We'll read it again. All of verse 4. 
who come, God comforteth us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So God, in somehow, some way, uh, permits, designs, whatever. There's different types of reasons that we get afflicted. We could kind of talk about that. But God allows certain afflictions, and then God comes in, according to Paul's testimony, and gets him encouraged somehow in it, whether it's a physical one, whether it's a relational one, whether it's he's upset because his own countrymen beat him and he didn't deserve that. But God comforts him, and then God says to Paul, now, you see how I, what I just said to you right there, Paul? Why don't you pass that along to, to the Timothy? He's going to be going through the same thing here soon. And you comfort Timothy with the same comfort that experience I said to you, did for you, whatever you learned with me. You take that experience and you comfort Timothy with the same comfort wherewith I comforted you. You in, Again, encourage is, an, is a synonymous word you can say here. You encourage him with the same encouragement I encouraged you with. Pass it along. You know that so that Paul could come up to Timothy if Timothy had a, had a similar, similar problem. Timothy was beaten with 39 stripes. Or Timothy had Jewish countrymen he grew, up with that were, he grew up with that were buddies and they forsook him. And he's so sad and disappointed. Paul would, felt, would have felt that and he would have probably been able to come along and say, Timothy, I've been there. Isn't that a great phrase? I've been there, man, can do a lot of good for somebody. Just saying that much without getting even very farther past that, let alone. That's the concept. That's the principle here. Do you have that up there, Aiden? So... Um, let me ask you some questions to just stimulate. I, I'm interested in your life in the sense of not so that you tell me, but I'm, I, want, well, I want you to think about your own life. Well, think about your life and think about what's the worst I've been through. What's some of the worst things I've been through? You don't have to say it out loud, but it's like, or what's some hard things I've been through? Okay? And then think, you may or may not have this answer. How did God comfort me? How was I encouraged in this hard thing? How did God comfort me? Maybe He hasn't yet. Maybe you haven't sought it yet. I don't know. But what have I been through that's just... It's, 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 not, it's kindergarten compared to Paul, yeah, but it's still there. And so the second question, how did God encourage you in that? How did God comfort you in that or has to keep repeat comforting you? Think of your life. I'm just saying all the, this is what I'm a, kind of a little bit of a bigger picture thought. I want everybody in here to realize that you can minister to people more than you probably think. If you're in this process, like Paul's like, hey, I deal with something and I got to find a way to be recover and get encouragement from God and move on. If you are used to that with God, then you qualify to help somebody because somebody else most likely is or will go through something that you're going through. And you need to be on the lookout for that because you're meant 
to comfort somebody else. Paul says, we got this, this tribulation, and we got the comfort so that we can pass it along. Now look, some of us are like, well, this is an exercise in futility. Why does God even do this? I don't know, but He does. I, um, my, my father-in-law, uh, Pastor Roy, who started the church, they had, they had some difficult, you know, some difficult trials they've been through that I know of through the years. And one of the real difficult ones was when they were in upstate New York. And uh, I don't remember how large the family, I guess it would have been, I think about five kids at the time for him and, and Linda, my father-in-law. And he was a pastoring and everything. And and uh, uh, years ago, and uh, they don't tell the whole story, but basically, they're, they're, the youngest was David. The next one up was Miss Beth. And Miss Beth got uh, in a situation where she got burned. And uh, just as about two or, two or three-year-old girl in, in her fireplace, there was something happened, and she was by herself and got something in it, and it, and it caught her dress, and she got burned. It was traumatic for the family. And uh, God helped them through that. There's, of course, more to that story. and um, Sweet moments of that story that he could tell you better than I could. And, uh, but I'm trying to view it now. I'm trying to step back from the standpoint of him. He, he and Linda had to go through that and take care of her and get her to the special ICU. And she's had different surgeries when she was younger. And, and uh, you know, a burn, a severe burn is a, is a big deal. You know, um, last year about this time, our little charity, our youngest daughter's got Down syndrome. She'll be three next month. Um, she burned herself, but it's not near. It's it ended up. I don't know what degree, but she's recovered. You don't even see scars, but she had. She grabbed a hot cup of water that I had over there that I walked away from. She pulled it right on her, and I mean it was fresh hot, and it just went right like this right down here, and it got a little splotch on this shoulder, a smaller splotch on that shoulder, and the skin just melted. And Johnny and I picked her up, and we had to get her to the, but they, and, and we're really glad that it got, it got taken care of, and, and that, that's kind of traumatic, but I remember, you know, uh, but, but here's what I'm trying, I'm kind of digressing. I remember one time, so Pastor and Mrs. Roy went through that with their kids, um, and some other things they've gone through, but that was a traumatic thing. I remember, but here's what I want to connect it with. We support a missionary, Nelson Dorr Jr., and his um, wife, Kathy. I think they had five kids or something, and um, they're all grown and married and everything. And I remember years ago when I was in this church and we were in a different location in Chandler, I remember uh, coming in. Our, our auditorium was like this right here. It was a real tiny little thing, you know, maybe a little longer. But I remember on a Wednesday night, I came and sat down, and, and there was this guy sitting in the back, and I didn't know who he was. And after the service, he talked to my father-in-law before the service, and after my service, they talked, after the service, they talked for a long time. And it was Nelson Dorr Jr., our missionary, that now of whatever, how many years he's been on the field, almost probably 40. And, um, and he was there by himself, seemed a little bit, you know, you know concerned and everything, and, and uh, he... I found out later on, I said, what was that about? He said, that's Nelson Dorr. I never met him. I didn't know who he was. I was just a teenager. He goes, yeah, he was just talking. He goes, his daughter got burned. And uh, there was a big pot of, like, beans or something, you know. This was, I think, in Mexico. 
And they're, they're probably 10 hours. You could do a commute, 10 hour thing, maybe 12. And she just grabbed a pot. It was either a pot of beans or just some hot water and pulled it down on her. And it burned her pretty bad. And he was, you know, he was pretty, you know, as a dad, shook up. It's, it bothers you. You see your little girl suffer. And I don't know how old she was. I think it was Annie is her name. And, um, but I remember seeing him talk to Pastor Roy and just spending time with him and talking to him. And, and then some years later when I talked to um, Brother Dor, we've had Brother Dor come here every couple of years and speak. I remember a few years back I talked to him and I remember him bringing up that incident. Yeah, I remember when my daughter got burned, I came all the way up from Mexico because I wanted to talk to Pastor Roy. You know why? He wanted to see if he can be comforted with the same comfort that he was comforted when they went through that. And he did, and he did. And he goes, boy, he was a blessing to me, just talking to me about that, you know, and saying how this is how it was with us, and this is how God gave us grace, and, you know, and I don't know the, the particulars, but it, was, it helped him. It helped him. Pass it on. The reason God sends us through the valley is because that's where people live. That's what one guy said. Nobody, there's no better person to help a hurting person than a person who's been hurt and has learned to recover. Let's look at three facets of this principle. Again, the principle, God comforts you that you may help comfort another. This is right out of the book of 2 Corinthians. It's right particularly out of this verse, verse 4. Three facets of this principle. First of all, number one, we'll realize as, as realize that afflictions are indeed common to all humanity. Affliction, troubles are common to all humanity. Job said, Job 5, verse 7, Now man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. As soon as man's born, there's friction. Right? The little baby starts crying saying, I need something, you know. And then when you give him something, he lies and starts crying like he needs something again. You're a liar, you know. <laughs> man is born, or, or there's a problem. As soon as that baby's born, he's breathing in some germs, and his body immediately has to fight it off, which is good. But there's sometimes the body can't fight it off. Man is born unto trouble, born unto natural trouble, right? The natural trouble of the germs and viruses in the air. Man is born unto the, the, the environmental troubles. Look, it's, uh, hurricanes will hit everybody. Unless you live over here, right? Hurricanes can hit anybody is what I'm saying. If you live in, the, if you live in a hurricane area, it's not going to be like, oh, there's a Christian. Let's go around them. No way. It's going to go right over them, go right over the saved and the unsaved. You know, the, the, so adversity, and natural adversity, you know. Um, and then I will, I'll experience adversity. I will experience affliction simply because I'm around you. And you'll get it because you're around me. And I may intentionally or unintentionally cause you problems. So just being around humans, man, problems, because I'm around another human. And that's what the other guy says about you. We cause each other problems, intentionally or unintentionally, right? Uh, uh, um, we have problems. Problems are common to all humanity. Problems are common uh, to humanity because we do intend to do evil. Like we have, we have thieves and we have um, um, liars and we have violent people about us, even though Gilbert keeps being right. Gilbert's one of the best cities in the United States to live in, and I'm glad for that. But just, you know, eventually it's just, you'll still feel crime, and you'll have somebody steal something, and, 
and uh, things, bad things happen. And God's not going to be, God's not going to make us immune to every little thing, immune to natural laws, immune to the entire movements and comings and goings of sinful humanity on our path. He does not promise us that. So afflictions are common. We got to realize that so that you realize that it's going to be common that I'm going to have it, somebody else is going to have it, and so I therefore need to find a way to, because it'll bring you down, I got to find a way to be re-encouraged by God. Afflictions are common to humanity, but in particular, as a sub-point, they are common to Christians who take their Christianity seriously. Afflictions are especially common to Christians who take their Christianity seriously. 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I don't know how frequent, I don't know how deep, but it says, it'll have, Paul says, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He didn't say all who are Christians or all who say they're believers will suffer persecution. He says, all who say, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm actually going to live godly. Oh, now it's going to show. People aren't going to like it. See, people don't mind if you're a Christian if you shut up and you don't show it and you blend in with the rest of them with their styles, with their music, with their dress, with their morals, and their morphed uh, political values. You keep going along with it, you're going to be fine. But once you act like, oh, now, you know what, I'm going to be a Christian. You'll say no to certain moral things. And, and, you, and you just say, no, this is, I'm going to live godly. I'm going to live for God, God-like. Why? Because I'm not God-like. I want to be God-like. And once you do that, he says, oh, well, that do that, you're going to get somebody running up against you and smack you in the nose, so to speak. But so, okay, so then, so then it's like, well, if I'm going to take my Christianity seriously, then I'm going to have some afflictions like Paul. Paul took his Christianity seriously. Boy, you t- I tell you what, being a serious-minded Christian in the midst of Jews... They're sassy and mean. I'm not anti-Semitic. I pray for the salvation of Jews. I'm not saying that. And I believe God's going to restore Israel and all that stuff. But man, they're, they're feisty. Jesus said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone all those that come to you. <laughs> How often I would have gathered you together, but you wouldn't do it. You stubborn, hard-hearted, hard, stiff-necked. That's what he said about them. Paul became a Christian in the midst of Jews. He ministered to Jews and ministered to Gentiles, and he got a lot of stones thrown at him. But he says, I'm just, I can't get away from this. But he said, you know what? God comforted me in all my afflictions. He kept finding a way to encourage me. Um, they're common to all humanity. I remember sending, I remember brother, so brother Adam, our deacon and song leader here, he, um, his dad died in 2006. It's hard to, it's hard to accept his death because of the way it happened, the way his dad's death happened, being riding in a bike lane on a bike, obeying all the laws, and somebody hit him and he died. And, um, but it happened, and Adam and his family have had to process that. And you'll probably never be over it 100%, but I know he's had points of comfort through it. Well, so his dad had died in 2006, precious brother in this church. And... Um, and then, and then some years later, a few years later, the Farbox 
Derek and Brittany and their kids who now live in Arkansas came to our church, joined the church, and then Derek's dad had died unexpectedly, not in the same, I would say, violent way. He died of a heart attack, and it was somewhat unexpected. So Derek's dad, Sam Farbach, died um, maybe in his 50s, and um, it was probably seven years ago. I don't know how many years ago it was. And so when I heard, Derek called me, I think it was a Sunday morning, he's like, hey, Pastor, um, we're not going to be there this morning. Unfortunately, this morning my dad passed away. And so, I mean, he kind of said it so calm. I was like, Derek, unfortunately my dad, my dad passed away. And I said, all right, brother. And I hung up the phone and I immediately called Adam. I was like, Adam, go visit him. I knew who to call to go visit him. Somebody who had to deal with this similar thing. I'm like, I, he could do better, more good than I could in that moment. And I'd sent him, and I think he did. And, um, and that's, what this, that's what Paul's saying, you know what? Pass it along. So, like somebody says, um, you know, it's a, it's a trial that you've learned to keep traveling through and find points of encouragement. Don't waste it by keeping it to yourself. Those points of comfort. Number two, so let's try to get a hold of this principle here. Number two, um, you have to receive God's comfort for yourself. Receive God's comfort for yourself. So Paul says, he, God comforts us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Look at verse three. Blessed be God. That's a, that's a doxology. It's a praise to God. Blessed be God. Why is God so blessed? Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because He's the Father of mercies. Mercy, the idea there is He, he helps, he helps uh, alleviate the dismay, the, dis, the, dis, the, 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 um, the, the, the pain. He helps alleviate that. He's a merciful Father. The God of all comfort. Like we should claim that to God. The God of all, this word sometimes translated, what we get the word paraclete, encouragement. The God of all comfort. Is that how you are, God? All right. That wasn't fun having, being made fun of five times by my coworkers, and I've done nothing but good for them. Just, it's going to be hard for me to go to work today. And then God sends something, sends a, a word, sends something in your spirit through prayer, sends an, uh, uh, something somebody else related to you and it encourages you, the God of all comfort. We have to receive God's comfort for ourselves. Sometimes we can't be a glutton for pain. You know, like, oh, I'm afflicted. This hurts. Life stinks. And it's like, well, do you want me to help? No, nothing can help. You love being hurt. You love crying. You love being in misery, do you? No, just wish somebody would help me. Well, can I help you? No. What do you want? I'm being really silly, but there's kind of that mentality sometimes that I've seen in different Christians. And I know there's a place for whining and crying and telling all of your, huh, wah, wah, eh, er. that's, there's a, that's, you need to do that. You need to do that. And then, well, how can we help you? Maybe that already did help you by letting you wah, wah. <laughs> but some people, it's almost like they're comfortable being uncomfortable. No, God wants you to be comforted and encouraged in your, the knot you're in, 
the relational problem you're in, he wants to find a way, he wants to encourage you and say, we can do this, or help you, or give you the strength to go through it, so that you can go through it, and so that you can say, I'm going to help somebody else this. I mean, that's what Paul's saying, but you have to receive it for yourself. There's points, I, I can't explain everything, but there's a couple examples. Here's ways that God is known, venues by which God is known to comfort us in our affliction. Let me name a few of them, and there'll be stuff I've already preached. Prayer is a venue by which God comforts us. I mean, Philippians 4 talks about not being so ringy-handed and anxious for things, but be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer is a venue, is a means by which God can comfort you. So if I ignore it, I'm ignoring a means of comfort. Uh, scripture is a means by which God comforts us. I, the, the psalmist said, I would have uh, perished in my affliction, except thy law had been my delight. He said, uh, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy, thy testimonies have been my delight. They've quickened me. Uh, the Holy Spirit Himself comforts us. He is called the Comforter in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. He's called the Comforter. And sometimes He just does that because He's in you and with you, and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I think that shows a sense of He shows and helps you feel loved, according to that verse in Romans 5. And then God uses people to comfort us. Even Paul, I think in 2 Corinthians somewhere, he said, you know what, Corinthians, we were comforted by the coming of Titus. We were just like, man, this is getting tough here. We just kind of are ourselves, and we don't know what's happening with these church offerings, and and then Titus shows up, and I don't know the whole details, but Titus, this other pastor who came from the Corinthian church, showed up and visited Paul and his other guy that was with him. And, and Paul says, man, I'm so glad Titus showed up. That gives me some courage, you know? That's what he said. Pete, God uses people to comfort us. That's why it's okay. Look, I understand it's okay to, to be alone for a while, but don't for a long time. Don't do it for a long time. Or don't, don't avoid church for a long time. I understand this time's time out. I get it. Don't be away for a long time because you start spiraling. God uses people as means of comforting. All right, there's a lady, and I have it. My wife's read a little bit of her books, and I know if some ladies in here have. Lisa Turkhurst. Turkhurst. Anybody heard of that name? A few of the ladies? Okay. Recommend what I've read so far. Incredible things she's been through. This lady was, uh, um, she was raised in a Christian family. Her parents divorced. She threw away her faith when she was like a teenager because she saw her, or when she was a young person, because she saw her 16-month-old sister die. And then she be, eventually God worked on her. She ended up becoming a true Christian, having a true conversion. She gets married. She has five kids, and her kids are now all grown up and um, married. But it's an inter she's written several books, and she went through at least one uh, round of cancer, maybe two, one, and then her husband has this. Uh, multiple, multiple affairs, or at least affair with a lady multiple times. 
and it throws her world around. She was leading a kind of a parachurch Christian organization. And then she writes a book, This Isn't the Way It's Supposed to Be, or something like that. And it actually was a means to encourage ladies, and it did. And then she reconciled with her husband. 2018, he, had, he, he did have multiple affairs and had an addiction issue. They reconciled. They didn't divorce. They reconciled. And then um, he has shown signs of infidelity again in some level. She's not divesting in all of it or and um, some sort of uh, deep addiction. And now she had to announce that they're uh, going to divorce because <clears throat> um, everything I read, I'm like, that makes sense what you're doing. You want to read behind the lines there. But here's what I'm trying to say, not just trying to pour a bunch of bad news. Here's what I've realized. I've seen so many ladies that like, oh, I want to read her book. She wrote another, I want to read that one. Because what they're doing is, I want to read how she's, how is she winning? How did she win? She went through cancer and her husband was this way. And then he left. And then they got back together. How is she winning now? She's writing a book now. It's like boundaries and goodbyes or something like that. Good boundaries and goodbyes. And it's basically, she's trying to say, this is how God's encouraged me in this terrible thing. Showing that there's hope. She's trying to show that she's been through this affliction and God has comforted her and so she's going to pass along that comfort to the ladies. And I'm finding ladies that all want to buy his book, buy her book, I should say. It's passing along the comfort that you've discovered from God. Number three, reach out to someone else. Reach out to someone who's experienced something similar to you. Now, this is where, this is why I'm trying to help. I, I, I guess I want to create this awareness in our church, is that you can help people. People can help people. Cancer, and you're managing through it, not that you would ever, maybe it'd even be cured. How are you dealing with that? How you do? How's God helped you in that? Share that with somebody. Uh, a divorce, oh, fine, to say the least. How do you handle it? There's people in here I want to know how to deal with that. An abuse, maybe that's a little more inside and sensitive, but that's happened. How did you, did God ever encourage you? How? A death, unexpected or expected, how do you deal with that? Maybe you got way off track and purposely ran from God. And how did he bring you back? Maybe your kid did. And they came back. Or they haven't. How are you dealing with that as a parent? Because my kid's doing that. and I, There's parents that want to know that from each other. I'm just saying, if anybody has gotten any kind of comfort from God, somebody else needs to know about it. That's what Paul's teaching here. Reach out to someone else who's had similar experience by the comfort wherewith we have been comforted of God. There's a psalm. <laughs> Let's take a peek. Psalm 66, 16. I'll, I'll take a peek. I'll just go quickly there. I like what the psalmist said here. 
he said, Come and hear, all you that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. That's all I wanted to read. That's it. He's like, hey, I want to tell you what he did for me. And I think it's beyond just this, oh, I got saved and I'm going to heaven. My soul, my life. Come and hear what he's done for my soul. <laughs> One of my brother, I got like six, how many brother-in-laws do I have? Six, seven? One of them died in heaven. One of my brother-in-laws had gotten in some trouble. And, um, and I remember he was having a hard, he was younger, and I remember he was having a hard time with it. And I, because I was in the house, my, my in-law's house quite a bit, even when, even after we were married, because we were always, mom, mom Roy is very hospitable. And so my, one of my brother-in-laws was going through something. He got himself in some, some trouble and things like that. And, and uh, it was a big deal. But I remember watching him. And I was actually blessed watching this. I remember watching him confide because I was a youth pastor, so I can be Snoopy. Uh, I watched him confide in another one of his other brothers who was a little bit older that wasn't in the youth group. And, um, and the other brother, he confided in that other brother, and the other brother had been through some similar trouble. I won't tell you all their troubles, but he'd been through some similar trouble. And I remember watching them, kind of how they interacted, and he really helped us. He says, here, this is what I read. He literally did a psalm that dealt with, that God used to deal with me when I went through such and such. And I read this psalm, and God helped me and built me up. And, and then I remember that younger brother-in-law came and told me that, too. He's like, yeah, he told, so-and-so told me. And, and I was like, I was so blessed to see my brother-in-laws encouraging each other. It's like, yeah, okay. This guy got himself into some trouble. This one did before, too, and he, he learned to manage it and God, how God brought him out of the, the clay, the miry clay, and he shared it. I'm like, yeah, I love that. It's good. That's how it ought to work. That's how it ought to be. Reach out to someone else with similar experience. Uh, there was a ble- such a blessing for us. I, I, I've told you this, but I'm going to say it again. So, so we have our children. We're so, Deborah and I are very blessed. We're, we're thankful for our children, our nine children, our ninth Little Charity was a surprise. In fact, she's home right now with Deb, got this little cough. And anyways, um, she's, she, when she was born, so we knew she was going to have Down syndrome. Well, we were like 95% sure because of the test that was done. And even the pregnancy, I'm like, man, this is not a normal pregnancy. This girl doesn't move like the other kids. I can kind of tell just a little more, um, not as feisty, you know, because of her um, muscle tone. But anyway, so, so when she was born, it was, it was a little more traumatic because the way Deb had to go through the, the labor and all that, and, but she was, ended up being born at Mercy Gilbert Hospital. And I'm telling you, when she was born, I remember, I have to say, it was different for me as a feeling as a father. I'm like, oh, she really does have a problem. I don't know Down syndrome stuff. I do now. I was like, she was born as this little scrawny kid. She didn't look like my other kids. I mean, not just that, you know, there's certain eye features, little ears and something about her toes, but she just, even her color and just a little bit more scrawny. Like, look at that little kid. What are we going to do with her? I mean, we're not going to do anything bad, but it's like, and Deb was so precious. Deb had gone through whatever amount of hours of labor. They gave, gave birth and set her right on top of Deb's common, you know, as soon as the baby's born, just set it right on the mother, even before you cut the, 
tube or the, the cord there sometimes. And so they sit right there, and Deb's like, oh, like that. And I'm like, I'm behind Deb. I'm, so Deb's laying this way. I'm behind Deb like this. Like, oh, you know, and, and Deb just took to her right away. And I was just a little bit like, man, what am I going to do? This is, this is a different creature here. One extra chromosome. And I realize one extra chromie makes it a lot more fun and, so, and more work. So, uh, so T21 is trisonom, trisomy, trisonomy 21. It means you're, that 21st uh, chromosome has tripled, trisomy. And so I want to get her a shirt that says T21 is more fun. So <laughs> I, I thought of that. I'll market it too. So anyways, so she's right there. And so I thought, wow, man. And Deb was like going to this fine. And I was just a little more, I don't know, man. This is, I mean, there's nothing I could do. I just didn't know what I was dealing with. I'm like, is this going to be fun? Is this gonna, what's this going to be like? And then this is true, and I, maybe I've told you this before, but like, I don't know, if somehow she had some issues, and we had to put her on oxygen, and she was ended up being in the hospital for 20-something days, I think. And uh, so we went to another room, Deb's recovery room. I remember Beth came and visited, and some of the other family had come. I think Sarah was there even at the birth and, and some others. And so one time, though, when we were just by ourselves. They kept, one of the nurses kept telling us, hey, hey, one of the nurses was saying, there is a, our head nurse here, I think her name was Gina, our head nurse has uh, a Down syndrome kid. She has like several kids and one of them has Down syndrome and she would love to talk to you. And I, when she said that to me, I'm like, why? I was like, you know, no, she would love to talk to you. I was like, all right then. So, and, and they kept telling me, she's going to come and visit, she's going to come. And sir, after a while, we were sitting in the room, and the lady came in the room, and I believe her name was Gina. She came in the room. She's like, how you doing? I'm like, good. She goes, I am so excited for you guys. <laughs> and when she said that, I was like, why? <laughs> what are you? I, I didn't know. I'm like, what is, I, I thought, is, she, is this a put on? I really, uh, is this a put on right here? And now I'm like, she was real. She's like, oh, and then she says, I have, and she named her, I think it was a son, and he's this age, and maybe preteen or something, and started telling, just right away, and I don't remember if she was a Christian or not, but right away saying, this is how he is, and this is what he went through, and just kind of quickly story of their life, just to give a sketch of what it's like, you know, and even though there was, wasn't a Christian conversation, I don't recall her saying anything about that, it helped encourage me like, oh, okay, yeah, you've done that, and they, they do okay, huh? They do all right? All right. And so she just spent some, she spent 45 minutes in there, sat down, just chatted with us about it. And then Charity's heart issue, which ended up being better, and all that. And I remember thinking, it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who's been there, right? And that wasn't even a Christian content. How much more in Christian uh, virtues involved? I'm just saying, let's take Paul's words here. When, I go through, when I'm going through a tribulation, God, you said you're going to comfort me. Give me some encouragement. Comfort me somehow in this thing. Help me to keep going through this because I can't change this X, Y, Z scenario. Or whatever it is. And then, But know when he comforts you, I need to pass it on to somebody. I need to pass it on to another young person or another teenager or another older person or another whatever. I got to pass it on and don't just keep it to yourself. Aren't you glad the Lord Jesus Christ... I'm going to read a verse. We'll close with this. 
Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ has been through all kinds of tribulation, did He not? He qualifies. He qualifies to be prayed to. He qualifies to be our, to be our Savior. He's, a, he's the captain of our, suffer, of our salvation has been completed because of His sufferings. <clears throat> he, um, it says there in Hebrews, I'm going to read this. Uh, Hebrews 2.18 in Jesus that He Himself had suffered being tempted. He is able to succor. That means support them that are tempted. He's able to support them that are tempted. I'm glad Jesus is this ultimate person who I receive comfort from Jesus and He even knows how it means to be suffered and be comforted. And I receive that from Him. And the greatest thing we can receive from Jesus is His salvation. In fact, none of this really is going to mean much more until you establish a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. First come to Him. Jesus, you're the you're the Son of God. You're the one who stepped on this earth and experienced life for me and experienced uh, uh, a cruel death for me and died for my sins and rose from the dead. If you recognize those facts and then you just simply say, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Be my Savior. Save my soul. God says you will have everlasting life. And everything starts there. Everything starts with establishing a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. 